Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back, Mama. Anxiety is a part of life. All of us have anxious minds at times, and motherhood seems to be a perfect, fertile breeding ground for anxiety for so many of us. We worry about our children. It's normal. But when that anxiety begins to take over and seep into other parts of our life, ruling the way we think, then that's when we need to do something about it. I really wanted to speak with Dr. Jodie Richardson on the podcast for all of you this week. Jodie, as she so bravely shares, has had anxiety herself since she was four years old. She's also a mama and has spent her career looking into anxiety, understanding it and learning how to turn it into a strength. Because anxiety happens It's what we do with it and what we choose to do next that is the most important. I loved this interview because it just reminded me again that within our struggles, within those emotions that we don't know how to deal with, with the things that our mind and our body is telling us, there's an opportunity to heal, redefine it, realize that you're stronger than ever and become the woman you really want to be and the mama your children need you to be. At the end of this interview, I will share all of the details of Dr. Jodie's website and also her latest book, Anxious Mums. But for now, enjoy this conversation. This is the Happy Mama Movement, a weekly podcast dedicated to changing the conversation about what it means to be a mother and a woman in this day and age. I'm Amy Taylor Cabaz, author, mama, and former journalist. After spending 15 years chasing news and burning myself out trying to be superwoman, I realized that I was chasing a dream that no longer served me and since then have dedicated myself to understanding the transition that we go through as women when our whole identity shifts with motherhood. Every week, I will bring you the very best insights and inspiration I can find to help us all change the way we feel about this time in our lives and create a movement that allows us to honour motherhood differently. 
Dr. Jodie Richardson, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you for having me, Amy. It's such a pleasure to chat to you today. I have been supporting and listening to mamas for more than a decade. And so often we are very focused on our children's big emotions, the anxiety of school drop-off or starting a new daycare or sleeping in their own room. We're very focused on trying to support our children through these stages. But scratch the surface and the mum is incredibly anxious and worried too. It is almost um, turning the lens back onto ourselves about these feelings is something we forget to do because we're so busy trying to support our children. So I know that you do both in your amazing work. You both talk about supporting an anxious child, but I would really love our conversation to shift that lens and I guess microscope in a way back to her back to the mama and really hear about how we can better understand our anxiety, our anxious feelings, our worries and what we can do about it. Mm. I think let's let's honour the mother for the next mm. half an hour for a change. What do you yes. think? <laughs> let's go for it. So let's first start. You have personal experience, of course. We always do the work that we most need ourselves. So how did you become so passionate about supporting people through anxiety? Yes, I yeah, I, I love what you just said. We, we make work from our wounds is, uh, is the, the way I've heard it put before. And I think it's really true. And, it, and, it, and I am, I'm extremely passionate about shining a light on anxiety and really helping people to learn how to manage it and how to get it out of the way so that you can you can actually live a really amazing life with anxiety. And I like to say that I thrive with anxiety now, although I didn't always. Um, what, what really helped me become passionate, I think, was recognising that it took 20 years for me to be diagnosed. Um, and that was uh, my first uh, severe symptoms of anxiety I experienced when I was four as a prep starting school. And it wasn't until I was in my mid-20s uh, when I was working as a, a secondary teacher, that I suffered a major depression and ultimately got help for that because the anxiety that I'd experienced up until then, I didn't even know it was anything but just my normal personality and just the way life was for me. Um, and what I learned in the many years following was that a lot of other people were in the same boat, didn't know much about anxiety. Uh, mental health literacy has certainly come a long way thanks to the amazing work of Beyond Blue and other incredible organisations like the Black Dog Institute and the like. But there's still a long way to go and I think that when it comes to anxiety, there are barriers to seeking help and also I really want people to know that there is it is a manageable condition. There are lots of great practical things that we can do to help ourselves and help our kids. And uh, I'm just really dedicated to, to sharing all of that and more so that people can uh, live with their anxiety, turn it down, get it out of the way and um, not let it stand in the way of really creating you know, the life that people want to have for themselves. I really like the way that you said you just thought it was your normal personality. Ah, oh, that really resonates because I know as a mother, you, you see I have three children and you know, the difference in the personalities, some seem to have been born anxious. They do seem to have a more anxious personality. And so 
especially back in the day where we really didn't understand this, we did just write it off as that's just the way they are, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, we, we did. You're the worry wart. You know, that, that was the classic, wasn't it? The worry wart because that's such a classic sign of anxiety, worry. Um, but all the physical, you know, worry is certainly a part of it. You know, obviously it comes with lots of really painful thoughts and feelings. But also there's a real physical side to anxiety and, you know, that, that, that the racy feeling, the, the trembling, the racing heart rate, not being able to get enough breath, the sickened stomach, the so many uh, of the physical symptoms. And, and you know, it's just the norm, I guess. It's, it's like the homes we grow up in, the way we're raised. It's not until we go to other people's houses and we realise, oh, actually, people do things differently in different homes. Um so, yeah, it, it's just that that was my personality. Um, I was diagnosed with asthma in my teens because I played high-level netball. It was very stressful for me. Obviously, provoked a lot of anxiety, but nobody knew. Um, so, yeah, it was, you know, becoming depressed was horrendous. It's hard to find the words to describe that experience. But looking back now, I'm thankful because that gave me the opportunity to find a, a psychologist uh, that that was, you know, would have a profound impact on my mental health and well-being and ultimately helped me learn about what was actually going on for me and has led led me to where I am now. Um, certainly wouldn't want to go through the suffering I've been through again, but I've learned so much from it and uh, and there's, there's really good that's come of it now that I'm able to, to do the work I do. So. so let's talk about motherhood in particular then. What... Why is it, is probably a better way to ask, why is it that motherhood seems to bring this level of anxiety to mm. it? Do we understand that? We do. We do to a certain extent. We, we certainly know that when, when we become mothers, you know, the, the obvious first thing to mention are the hormone changes and, you know, the... the uh, after birth, the levels of estrogen and progesterone absolutely plummet, and you know we we know about the baby blues in the in the days following birth. But also, we're at greater risk of uh, anxiety, OCD in particular. Uh, you know, in, in this uh, in this period of our lives, uh, and and you know one of the great drivers of anxiety is uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that amplifies anxiety is lack of sleep. Uh, you know, we're, we're not able to look after ourselves the way that we might have normally. We might not be doing the exercise. We not, might not be able to continue meditating or doing the things that might have been really positive and impactful on our mental health when we become parents. But overall, we worry a lot about our kids. We've got this huge responsibility and we don't really know what we're doing. Mm. Uh, so there's a, it's multifactorial. Lots of things, um, you know, play into you know, the anxiety of a new mum. Many women don't experience any of this. I have a friend who we had children at exactly the same time and I was lucky if I could get a shower some days. She just couldn't understand and I, I don't I don't judge her for that, but she just had very, very different experience to me. So, um, you know, the, the, the risks of mental health challenges are high, particularly at that stage in our life, but, uh, but it's not the same for everyone. Um, 
And doesn't that bring its own level of anxiety, though, Jody? that you're, for example, your best friend or the women in your mother's group or your neighbour or your colleague who happened to have a baby around the same time as you seems to be doing so much better than you. Why is it that she can turn up at the playground and look normal and have clean clothes on and I can't even brush my teeth? You know, mm. the comparison doesn't help. No, it really doesn't. And you do, you think, well, what's wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? Do I have to work harder? Do I have to do more? And, and you know, I, I reflect on that time and I, I wonder if some of your listeners might relate. I, I think, did I really not have time in the day to shower? Was it that I was too anxious to leave our son alone? I mean, I, I was ultimately, I had postnatal anxiety and depression with both kids. So, uh, you know, I... I I can't recall a lot of what went on in the day, but I also had a lot of feeding trouble and I was doing supply line feeding and that was just around the clock uh, Mm -hmm. exhaustion. And so, yeah, we're we're very wired for comparison. It's very natural. It's an evolutionarily uh, protective part of our our brain that, that, you know, helps us compare ourselves to make sure that we're fitting in. Otherwise, we, uh, you know, if you're on the outer, you're less safe, but... It certainly doesn't help with the anxieties when um, we look around and we see, you know, how how differently different women are doing it. But also some women are struggling and they just don't want to talk about it. So let's talk about postnatal anxiety. What is it exactly? A lot of us do understand postnatal depression now, but for someone who's listening who isn't quite clear on the difference, what is postnatal anxiety? Yeah, so a way to, a way to think about the, the difference is, you know, d- depression... As, as we know, is a very low energy, very, very low mood, very hopeless, very dark, um, very, very hard to motivate to do anything. Anxiety is, you know, when, when you... Normal anxiety is really fantastic. It's really protective. And, you know, if, if we're, um, you know, we're hopping out of the car at a friend's house and our little one, uh, we're anxious about the traffic that our little one might run out to if our toddler gets out of the gets out of the car without holding our hand, then that anxiety helps us to make good decisions about, okay, we've got to grab their hand as they hop out of the car because we know it's a busy road and, and uh, you know, there's lots of ways anxiety is good. But normal anxiety settles after we've, you know, we've dealt with a, a stressful or a threatening situation, whereas postnatal anxiety as a diagnosis is an ongoing feeling of, um, of elevated uh, stress and energy, uh, the fight or flight response is activated so there are a whole not whole number of physiological changes um, stress hormones that are released into the bloodstream and ultimately what this means is we're hyper vigilant um, you know this, my experience was uh, I couldn't I couldn't stop uh, and, and I also worried terribly uh, and that's another part that comes with it is, is a lot of a lot of worry and a lot of future thinking a lot of catastrophizing. And one of the things I wrote about in Anxious Mums was how any, what I know now is a minor ailment, you know, of an infant, you know, the post-viral rash. I don't, do you remember the post-viral rash? Oh, I rash? remember those. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, you'd just be getting over the hump of the, you know, the, the, the nights of the, having a, an, an, a, a sick little one. And then, then this rash shows up. Well, the first time that happens, you're like, what the heck is this? And if I found a, an enlarged gland, I was... In my mind, my head would say, "This is this is a tumor, and that my baby's soon to die." Um, a rash would come, and I would think it was meningococcal. It was um, it was it was terribly frightening and catastrophic thinking 
that had me running to the GP all the time. So, you know, postnatal anxiety is the anxiety that, that is brought about through through pregnancy and child childbirth and impacts terribly on a mother at a really vulnerable time in her life. Mm. You make me think as you talk about that post-viral rash and the swollen glands. I mean, I remember... <laughs> I always used to laugh because, well, not at the time, but on reflection I do, that I'd call the parent helpline and one of the first questions they would always ask is, are you a first-time mother? Because Mm -hmm. on reflection now, that immediately puts the person on the other end of the phone in the headspace of, okay, I'm dealing with a mother who's never been here before. So let's, you know, that's what they bring to the conversation. They know that they're probably dealing with a mum who's freaking out a little bit here because everything's new. You know, yeah. every rash could be something scary. How, how do we know what the difference is with worrying about what that rash is and going all the way to absolute panic? Is it a sense of how quickly you can rebalance those thoughts and calm yourself down? Because I'm certain as new mums, every new thing brings a certain level of anxiety to it because we're trying to keep our babies alive. So yeah. what's the difference between that and... And this is not in balance here. This is tipping into managing and overwhelming me. Yes, yes, it, it is. And and again, it's that protective nature of anxiety. That that that's what we we need it for. And if we didn't worry about those things, we wouldn't get them checked. And no sooner have we become a little bit more experienced. I mean, we all know the you know the talk of number three, which I only have two. I know you have three, and you might you might. Um, disagree but you know that by the time you have number three and the dummy drops on the you know on the floor you you're probably not in COVID times but you you brush it off and you stick it back in your mouth oh totally my my son my third the only reason he's ever been to hospital was because he was knocked over a bike and needed surgery on his lip whereas the first one she was in hospital all the time every post every post virus rash I was like freaking out my poor son he's got we call him iron guts because he never seems to be sick because He's just always had the dummy off the floor, the, you know, eats the sand, whatever. <laughs> yes, it's amazing. It's, it's an amazing journey how we develop so much knowledge and confidence and um, medical expertise as well. And, you know, your question, your question's a really important one. And, and the difference is when, when anxiety and, and whether postnatal or any type of anxiety, when it's, it's really impacting functioning daily functioning then then that, that's a real sign that it's it's becoming a problem and that you know help would be really really you know an important thing to to um to seek and and so with uh you know with my little ones and and many many new mums who are highly anxious like you say there's lots of trips to the doctor lots of trips to the hospital and i i remember my psychologist putting in place a a bit of a bypass system of sorts where I would look to my husband, Peter, and, well, he was a first-time dad, so, you know, but he's a very practical, level-headed person. He, he wasn't anxious. And one of my very close friends who, who was already a mother of two when I had my first. And so he, he would say, look, have a chat to each of Peter and Christy, talk about what's happening and um, then make a decision as to whether or not perhaps you need to seek extra medical advice. Um, and but it was impacting on my life, and that's the thing for women, you know, who, who are anxious to, to really look out for. Is it is it temporary and occasional, or is it really starting to be, you know, a burden of each and every day? In which case, you know, there is help available, and 
the best place to start is, of course, with your GP. I love that advice about the bypass. What a great suggestion. Have your people that are perhaps less panicked than you are to yeah. bounce it off of first. Uh, my sister's that person for me. She's always, ah, <laughs> oh, nah, it's just a rash. Don't worry about it, Amy. She's, she's that person in my life. But can we talk for a moment about beyond the postpartum period? Because mm. this podcast is certainly not just for that first year of motherhood. Mm. In fact, the majority of the women who listen to this may have a baby in the first year still of that age, but they're likely to have school-aged children as well. Mm. And this anxiety can come up at any time. We can mm. really um, see this in ourselves as they start school, as um, our child themselves struggles. I know that mm. this has been a big trigger for me. I, um, you know, I don't consider myself an anxious person, but I have certainly found myself being completely overwhelmed with worry about mm. my girls because they're elder, elder. Um, as they meet different challenges in life and how much it triggers in me my own fears. Yeah. So this is something that shows up throughout the whole experience of motherhood, isn't it? Mm, it really does. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, it's something that, that from, from the moment we're pregnant to the, to the you know, to, to be, you know, to our very last days, you know, we, we will always have things to, you know, to worry about when it comes to our kids and, and definitely those times of change and those big transitions and, you know, recently, you know, a lot of a lot of our listeners today will have had little preppies going to school, or uh, children going into a brand new school, or starting high school, and and I think it is really worthwhile, important for us to reflect on the fact that we know it is it is a time of change and uncertainty and stress for children, but it is, as you say, Amy, very much a time of change, uncertainty, and stress for us, and and I think if we can, like you say, turn that lens back on ourselves and recognise how the circumstances of the, the of the family uh, in, in, in these moments does impact on us, we can better manage how we're coping. And obviously when we're coping well, um, our family copes much better. And one of the things I think to, to remember is too that it's very normal and natural and uh, with normal anxiety, they, these periods of time do cause that sense of anxiety but it, it, it does settle down um, and it's also important to know that if we are struggling with that type of anxiety it's very contagious and it's, it's a really not a great word to be using in this day and age but hmm. you know certainly our stress and anxiety our kids can tune into that and so it really is important for us to look after ourselves uh, because that has a ripple effect on the, the you know the, the levels of stress and anxiety in the rest of the household. Mm, so true, unfortunately. <laughs> but it is true. I often say, you know, we are the space holders. If mum's okay, we're all okay. everyone else is okay. But that does mean that, yep, you're going to have to do this. You're going to have mm. to figure out how to feel better. So mm. let's spend a few minutes talking practical ideas here, whether mm. it's postpartum or new kid at school, whatever it is that we're dealing with in our life. And we are feeling ourselves anxious, worrying, lying awake at night, running scenarios through our head. How can we start? to calm that nervous system and that fight-or-flight response? Exercise is the first thing I'd love to suggest. It's, it's extraordinary. We could do hours just talking about the amazing impacts of exercise at a physiological level, psychologically. We know from experience, all of us, that 
even though we might not feel like it, we do feel better afterwards. There are a lot of great reasons for that. One of the one of the things to know too about the fight or flight response is that it's a response that comes from a very, you know, I say an old part of our brain. You know, one of the earlier, you know, our ancestors had this part of our brain, and we've all uh, evolved from ancestors that had a very active part of the brain that was able to sense danger and react appropriately. When we're in fight or flight, we are geared up to defend our safety, to, you know, defend, you know, fight or or to flee. And, of course, all of the changes that occur in our body are gearing us up to move at a high intensity. And yet so often when we're anxious, we don't actually do anything. We're very sedentary and, and still. We might be anxious lying in bed or we might be anxious sitting at our desks or anxious sitting in bed reading a book with our kids at night. So movement is the natural end to the fight or flight response. And it's, it's you know, I call it a panacea for me. I'm, you know, I said to my husband last night, am I a bit nuts amount of exercise to do? <laughs> I do CrossFit and karate and um, I absolutely love it. And I think naturally all my life I've, even before I knew I had anxiety, I exercised a lot and that was probably what, you know, kept me going. So exercise and don't wait to be motivated, please. Don't wait for that because... The motivation, you know, if you're relying on that, you might never get moving. And there was, you know, there's the amazing story of the fellow in England who raised millions of dollars by walking around his home during COVID lockdown uh, and is an old fellow. And he just, he just started with small laps. And the thing about starting small is with each progressive time we start doing something, even if it's just walking to the letterbox and back or just doing a lap around the block, it develops momentum and it develops a habit. Uh, so exercise is, is phenomenal. Another mm. great strategy when anxiety is really high in the moment for us is to engage in some sort of uh, breathing exercise, be it a box breath, where you think of the four sides of the box. One is breathe in for three seconds, one is hold for three seconds, one is breathe out for three seconds, hold for three seconds. Through the nose, in and out if possible, and then extend three to four seconds or four to five or five to six seconds over time as you become more comfortable. Those of us who are anxious don't feel very comfortable holding our breath, but it, it's an uncomfortable feeling to notice and practice acceptance of, and that type of breathing is really, really beneficial and helps to show the brain we're safe. Uh, in between time, you know, the, the other obviously practical strategies include things like when we are very worried about something, we often look for a lot of evidence to dispute. So, for example, uh, very worried my child is not going to make any friends at their brand new school. Very natural to, to think that. Uh, but if that's a worry that's really playing in a loop uh, in your mind, obviously the impact of that are detrimental on your mental health and well-being. The question to ask yourself in your own mind is not, is it true? but is it helpful? And once we ask ourselves that question, it's a very different question to ask, is it helpful? Then we can answer that for ourselves and the answer will be, well, is it helpful to worry about this? No, it's not. And the next part of that is, what can I do that's helpful in this moment? And it's about doing something. It's about turning your attention to something that is helpful and that might be getting back to the work you were doing. It might be arranging a play date for your child to catch up with an old friend from their old, old school on the weekend. Um, it doesn't mean that we dismiss these challenges, but we we need new skills to manage our worries better than we have in the past. 
And uh, so, I, yeah, really, really pleased to be able to share that with with our listeners today too. Wow, I love those three ideas. It reminds me of what you said right at the beginning of our conversation around uncertainty is a driver of anxiety. Mm. So if in some small way you can create spaces of certainty, whether it's your exercise or what you can do for your child in this moment, then it really settles that that panic, that overwhelm, that fight or flight response. Um, what can you be certain? of even though so much of motherhood is uncertain it is we we do need to create space and time for ourselves because it's so easily gobbled up it's so easy to do other productive things like fold the washing you know things that need to be done but we we are also it's really important because our we are role modeling a lifestyle for our own children and we only get 18 summers with our kids probably not even 18 I think by the time they're 16 these days they don't say that that's so short it's terrible (laughs) but it's also it's a bit of a brutal truth isn't it but we you know and and I know you've got a 13 year old I've got a son who's just started high school I look at him in his uniform I think oh my gosh you're a baby in my arms yesterday and you know if we can show our kids how important it is to do things for ourselves and not to be so self-sacrificing, then, you know, not not talking about being selfish, of course. I'm talking about carving out regular time for us. I go, I'm wildly busy. I do CrossFit three times a week. Two nights a week, I do an hour, hour and a half of karate. Saturday morning, I do karate, another hour. My daughter came last night and she read her book while I did karate. But I also take her to, to singing lessons and to gymnastics. And, you know, my kids see that, what I do for my health and well-being is important for me. And guess what? My kids love exercise because they see that it's an important part of our family's lifestyle. So as mums, if we can't do it for ourselves, do it for your kids because um, you know, what your routine is like week to week is showing them what's important and uh, you're important and you know we're the ones that we're the hub of the home We hold the space, as you so beautifully said before, and uh, we've got so much influence and uh, taking care of ourselves is a beautiful thing for us and for our whole family. Oh, absolutely. No, selfish is not a dirty word on this podcast. Uh, (laughs) I totally encourage selfishness. (laughs) In the sense of it's the only way we can do this, Jodie. Truly, if you Mm. actually look at the reality of modern motherhood, the only way we can do it healthily and well is to actually put our needs first. Mm. Otherwise, as you said, we're role modelling to our children such a high level of stress that they just think that that's normal and Mm. we're not being the mums we want to be. It reminded me when you were talking about exercise and I'm so glad you led with that because I think a lot of people think with anxiety it's it's meditation and it's and it's breath work and of course you mentioned those things and those things changed my life 100 Mm. percent but I do think that when you are in a very highly stressed anxious state of mind it is easier well no that's not the right word it feels better to move your body and actually burn up that excess anxious energy than mm. to breathe through it. I know for me, I was never a runner, Jody. Like that's just, oh, I thought you were nuts if you were just running around in circles <laughs> at the Oval. You've got to be kidding me. And then we had 10 weeks of lockdown 
And I started to run because... I jokingly say I was running from my house, actually, (laughs) during those days. But I am completely addicted to running now. It feels like I am shifting and moving all of that stress in my body when I run. It feels empowering and practical. And, you know, I still get up every morning and do my meditation. That's never going to change. But now just as much of my self-care comes from that exercise element as it does with the mindfulness element. And together, I feel like I'm better than I've ever been. But it wasn't until I was really faced with, and COVID was probably the hardest time I've been through with three kids at home. And I know a lot of the listeners here are still dealing with this. I have a lot of mamas in the UK who Mm. listen to this podcast and they are still in the middle of all this. (laughs) To actually move that energy, stress, worry in that really practical, physical way felt so good for me. And Mm. it was one of the blessings of that time for sure. Oh, I I love that you've come to exercise in this way and that it's been, it's, it's the proof's in the pudding when it comes to things like this. You've got to do it to know how great it is. And that's what will fuel you to keep going. And unfortunately, you know, if we rely on willpower, what, what's, not widely understood about willpower is that it is a finite resource. And I think, you know, that when it comes to the end of the day, that's why exercise in the morning mm. is brilliant. Uh, you know, we, we run out of it. And so if we're relying on that all the time, we're, we're not going to do ourselves any favours. We It's about knowing what's good for us and, and also being willing to tolerate the discomfort. That mm. when we exercise, it doesn't, I mean, gosh, I can tell you, you know, and you would know too, sometimes it feels very uncomfortable in our body. but it, Sometimes it hurts like hell. <laughs> sometimes it does hurt like hell, absolutely. And I'm hurting like hell today after what I did yesterday. But I also feel absolutely bloody amazing because I'm, I'm high on all the amazing endorphins. And, of course, one of, the, one of the neurotransmitters that's released when we exercise is, it's a mouthful, it's called gamma aminobutyric acid, GABA for short. And it, it puts the brakes on our stress response. It puts, it dampens that down in our brain. <clears throat> and so that's another thing. You're not only enjoying the, the serotonin and the dopamine and the wonderful feel-good hormones as we know them, but you're also releasing, you know, another component that we release is called um, um, miracle growth. It's miracle growth of the brain. It's absolutely extraordinary exercise in so many ways. And and so waiting to feel motivated to do it is not the answer. Mm. I really, really would urge, um, you know, do it with someone else. That's the greatest way to do it because then you can both be unmotivated but still go together and you're a bit more accountable that way. But please get started and let, let Amy and I know if you do because um, you'll, you'll reap the benefits. You'll, you'll get so much um, way beyond anxiety management out of moving regularly uh, that, you know, it'll become something that you won't want to miss each day. So I totally you know, hope, agree. Hopefully we've, um, hopefully we've inspired a, a few more walkers or runners. Absolutely. Or <laughs> and yes, please let Jodie and I know what, yeah. what you're experimenting with. And I'll just say the last thing on this. I find that the days that I do do this, the triggers of stress later with my kids, you know, at that bedtime, you know, at the end of the day are not there. It's like... 
It's like a release valve that I've released mm-hmm. that stored energy in my body. So if I don't do that and then the kids bicker and won't go to bed, then it just feels like I'm more trigger happy to, to snap. It just, yeah. Anyway, as you said, we could do podcast after podcast about the benefits <laughs> of this. What I really want mamas to hear with this is that motherhood brings a level of anxiety and worry. It is part and parcel of the job description that we are consumed at times with making sure that these little people that we made and helped make are going to be okay. But when it tips into a debilitating worry, when it feels like it's more than it should be, when it's keeping you awake at night, when you're yelling and anxious and worried and stressed and snap, then there's things that can be done to make sure you rebalance that within yourself over and over and over again. Mm. There really, really are. And, you know, on that, on that, um, one of the things that I really would encourage, you know, the mum is listening today to do is to recognize that you know to be anxious is to be human it's a very human emotion it's a very normal emotion but when we do get overwhelmed by it and we don't treat our loved ones the way we might normally like to treat them you know it's really a lovely thing to be able to say you know I'm really sorry I was feeling very anxious and to use that as an opportunity to help our kids learn about managing stress as well Mm. and you know to be able to talk more openly about it reduces the stigma reduces the you know reduces a barrier to help seeking for our kids perhaps when they're older and it just normalizes it that you know we are normal human people who get stressed we get overwhelmed sometimes we break um you know and and uh overreact but that we can come back from that and then we can also sometimes say in the lead up to you know losing it uh i'm feeling really anxious i'll say to my kids sometimes if I'm particularly anxious, I'll say, look, I'm actually feeling anxious at the moment. I actually feel like I need a little bit of time alone. Or I'll say, or my daughter will say, come and mum, let's take three deep, deep breaths, which is beautiful because, of course, they learn at school, don't they? Mm. Um, but, yeah, we can, we can, don't be afraid to tell your kids what's happening. Don't be afraid of using the word. It's, it's another emotion like disappointment, frustration, sadness, anger. Um, the more we can demonstrate how to manage uh, or how to come back from and not well-managed anxiety episodes, you know, they're always watching and, and there's there's a lot that they can learn that will set them in good stead for their own mental health journey throughout their life. So uh, I just wanted to add that after you mentioned. So. Oh, I love that so much because that is the role of a mother is to actually show how human we are, not present a perfect image, to be mm. honest and own our emotions and show them how we forgive ourselves and we heal and we get back up and we keep on going. So Dr. Jody Richardson, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. I will link in the show notes the uh, details of your new book, Anxious Mums. And as I said, Jody also has a book out about supporting your anxious children, which we could do another whole podcast on one day, <laughs> which we might. Um, but thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you so much for having me and for shining a light on such an important topic. It's been such a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. It's so important we talk about our mental health and well-being. It's so important for us to share what we're going through. If our children are anxious, if we're anxious, have these conversations. As Dr. Jody says, anxiety happens. 
What happens next is what matters most. What do we do with it? How do we learn about it? See what it's trying to teach us. Turn it into our strengths. Please go to Dr. Jodie Richardson's website, drjodyrichardson.com for more resources. She has a free five-day program you can download to help you understand your anxious brain and also get a copy of her most recent book, Anxious Mums. On my website too, you will be able to find meditation packages, a collection of meditations that I created for myself first to really learn how to calm those thoughts and have now shared with thousands of mamas around the world. Go to my website, amytaylorkabaz.com, click on more and then resources and you will find two meditation packs that you can download and begin your practice. Please share this podcast far and wide, especially with anyone in your life who is dealing with an anxious child or their own anxious minds. Send them this, show them that you understand and support them. Until next week, Satnam. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.